0: So last week, just as a recap, as we're going through Colossians, um, we went and talked about instructions for a Christian household, which always, I believe, opens up and invites good conversation, especially post-message and stuff like that. We get questions from people, um, things that are opened up to them, things they looked at and never thought about when it came to to God's Word and instructing um, just the roles of, of the Christian household and looking at that word that sometimes we struggle at looking at, the word submit. And how, once again, Paul right out of the gate opens up and wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Um, You say that to people and my wife even giggled up here as well. It can be something that's difficult um, for us to hear and to listen to. But it's one that in actuality, when you look at it biblically, um, how we are all called to submit to the Lord as well. And everything kind of falls under that in our roles to Jesus Christ and doing what we're called to do in accordance to Jesus Christ. It actually is a beautiful thing. Um, it really is and how when we step outside of what um, God's word says for us to do and how to do certain things even things that we might not think too much of when it comes to the Christian household or relationships like that um, how things can go astray pretty quick because we do what we call it's a word I came across this week selving how we think about ourselves all the time you know what I mean and When it comes to being a Christian, the the focus is, of course, the cross is is Jesus Christ. But then we are doing things to give God glory in everything that we do, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. So we're doing things for the better good of people around us as well. But once again, that is in accordance with the Bible and Jesus Christ. So um, it was a good message. It was a deep message as well. But um, one that I, I enjoy preaching, especially once again, when you're looking at the roles, especially that of men. It might sound like I'm beating up on men when I give those messages, but men, as we read through the word, have a lot of responsibility when it comes to being the head of the household, the spiritual head, and things like that, and really making sure and emphasizing that that's understood. So, But in going into the word today, starting off in four two, this is a part where Paul is basically just giving some further instructions, and it can it can easily just be, I guess, misconstrued or misconceived in thinking that maybe this isn't that important. Because when you read in the Bible, it's just a small chunk, almost like a, an ad lib. Or I'm just going to throw this into the, the, the writing or the end here of my my epistle at the end of Colossians. But in actuality, the reason why I'm just focusing on a couple of scriptures is, is there's a lot packed into what he's saying here. Um, once again, we have to look at the context of... Of Colossians, if you guys recall and remember me saying that that Paul is, is given this letter to a, a servant of his, a, another person that was um, raised up under him by the name of Epaphras. Paul himself was in a prison when he wrote this letter as well. So this kind of lays out what he is asking for us as the Christians to do. So you have these individuals that are out there planning churches and things like that, but he's wanting to really even instruct those people that may be seen as the the backline folks to the frontline Christians. So the people that are going out there, planning the churches, doing this frontline work that we, as the Christians that are still sitting back, spreading the word, gathering up, that there's still a role and a responsibility that we have and that we're called to do as well. And, And it's, it's a beautiful thing to me to read because it made me stop and think a lot about myself, especially when it comes to prayer. How many of you think that you could do better at being devoted to prayer. I will, I will openly say that if I was to give a a weak point in my relationship with the Lord, I, I, I will sit there and say that prayer is one of those things that I might just misconstrued and assume that it's something that I can just simply do as I'm going throughout my day, almost like what I've heard to be called kind of this domestic intercom with god like when i'm going and i'm i'm doing and and saying stuff or if i'm going throughout my work day that i might just find myself maybe in my brain or murmuring something to the lord right like just kind of this quick okay i'm in a bad situation right now i'm frustrated and irritated i'm going to just stop and push the intercom button and say something to god right it's kind of just this casual thing or I might then go about trying to do things in my own will, my own flesh, and my own might, rather than going to prayer for the Lord for us, is what Jesus teaches us to go to him for strength as well, to keep our bearings to us as well we it it's 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 a a odd mindset that we can develop sometimes as Christians and sometimes just thinking that there's still things that we can do that we can put in place that we can fall into to kind of make things change or make things. Or to muster up the strength without ever considering or going to prayer to the Lord. And a way that I had it worded to me is, is instead of looking at prayer as a domestic intercom to God, you need to start looking at it as a wartime walkie-talkie. I thought of that, and I'm like, that's a beautiful way to see prayer. Because... You guys use your cell phones, these devices here, right? They're, they're sitting there, you guys aren't on them right now, which thank you for that, but as they sit there and they're not being used, we in a sense are conserving energy in them, right? When we get on them and start using them and, and you know maybe apps or something like that, energy drains from the battery quicker, right? Quicker than what they do if they just sit in our pocket or on a dresser or something like that. They only start to lose energy when we start to use them. Prayer is the exact opposite, right? Prayer is something that I found out that if I'm not steadfast in it, if I'm not consistent in it, right, I don't have that zeal or that power to continue to go into it. If I refrain from it, what happens? I tend not to be in the mindset or the practice of doing it as much. OK, but when I find myself really submitting and getting in prayer and and really allowing the Lord to just work on me and allow me to get that strength and to keep my bearings about things in the world and in life, guess what? I find myself on my knees more and more and praying to him. And this is something that once again, it can be the most cliche thing that a Christian says to someone. You guys could approach me and say that you're struggling with something and it could be very easy for me to just stop and say, what would you pray about it Why don't you go to prayer? But in actuality as well, it could be one of the best advice or, the, or the, the, the most powerful thing I could say to you as well as a pastor or as a brother in the faith. Because guess what? A lot of people don't pray as much as they should be praying. And I'm not saying make it this ritualistic thing. I'm not. But the devil is going to do whatever he can in your day-to-day life to try to muddy up the reception in your prayer life to God. He just is. We all can attest to that. He's going to put disruptions in front of us every day to make us stop and even not even consider going to the Lord in prayer when it comes to stuff. And this is what Paul is sitting here saying, and he's asking for the church to do. So in starting off here in verse two, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Okay, that first line to me is huge. Because when we devote ourselves to prayer, there's, there's three things here. Devote, being watchful, and being thankful. Being watchful goes back to what I just said about just being mindful of the things in your life. Guys, I know I beat this dead horse all the time when it comes to the things that we see in front of us day to day. I got text messages from three or four people this last week. While I'm sitting at work and they were talking about, man, I never understood how powerful this was in my life until I stopped and I went to prayer to the Lord to show me what I need to see that may be hindering me from even being even more devoted to him in prayer. And I'm, I'm talking about like he was talking about things that he was doing for a hobby. Um, one guy talked about social media. Once again, that's a horse that I like to beat as well. I mean, it, it's it's. Not a joke. Like, these are things that, once again, seem to disrupt his ability or their ability to go and be devoted in prayer. So Paul is sitting here saying, so to be devoted, you got to be watchful. Watch the things that are going on around you in your life, okay? See these things. Be thankful as well. That's a huge thing. A couple months ago, I I, I poised the question to you guys. We talk about God's grace, right? told you guys that God's grace is, is it's the, the thing that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, right, in Titus 2. It's also this power that works inside of us that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. Like, he sits there and he says, it's not I who work, but the grace that is inside me that works. So it's in that recognition of God's grace in his life that instills a sense of power, this sense of determination in him to go out and to do and to show, right? But when we sit here and we watch these videos and praise and worship and we clap and we sing because it talks about Jesus breaking strongholds, setting us free, no longer being a slave to sin, a slave to fear. If we see that and we recognize that we should be what for it then? Thankful for it. Right. So we need to be thankful in our prayer life as well, because if we truly understand and grasp that. We're going to be then devoted in prayer. And if we grasp it as well, we'll also be watchful in the things that we have going on in our life because we see and know that our focus always needs to be that of Jesus Christ. That's why when we rewind a little bit, it talks about, once again, keeping focus on what? The heavenly things and not the earthly things. So Paul's letter here kind of just packages everything up. It kind of works its way back and goes, goes full circle back around. But then he stops and he says, and pray for us. Okay? He's letting it be known. Pray for those people out there that are on the front line of doing this work. Missionaries, people that are out there in third world countries that are planting churches, they're trying to spread the name of Christ, people that are out there doing, they're in programs, they're in jails, whatever. You need to pray for these people as well. Like in in your prayer life, how often do you pray for other people as opposed to you praying for just yourself? That was a convicting question I even had to pose on myself a couple years ago. When I pray, am I just praying for myself, my circumstances, my heart? Or am I even praying just for the brothers and sisters in Christ that I've never even met, but I know are out there doing this good work in his name? And he's wanting this, the church to be mindful of that and to be devoted to that, to be watchful into that and to be thankful for that. We should be thankful for those individuals and those people that are out there doing that frontline work for the gospel. It says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we mo- may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now this one, I was talking to my wife. I said, this is great because this should make us think about all of our lives. We actually should be preaching for an opportunity and for the ability to witness the opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to spread the gospel. How many of you have seen those opportunities go through your day? Where a door just seems to be open. Like there's it's almost like the supernatural happening almost too to where there's an ability and an opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. And I'm not just simply even just saying like you're giving the full-fledged gospel, but just to have those conversations of like just really planting seeds. I met with a couple of guys this last Wednesday, and that was one of the questions I asked them. just in the opening part of the discussion was how do those conversations and interactions go with people at your job, right? How do they go with people at work or at home? You know, I know I've been asked questions by people here as well. And, you know, having dialogue with people that believe completely the opposite of what you believe in when it comes to your faith in Jesus Christ. But being able to just simply recognize and see those opportunities, but also going to prayer to have those opportunities come. Because once again, sometimes we can disqualify ourselves in even speaking such a message to people. We don't want sometimes those opportunities to come up because sometimes we'll we'll convince ourselves that we'll just screw it up that we won't, we won't say the right thing, right? You get asked those hard questions and you don't know really what to say and this person's wanting to have interaction with you about your faith and, and all that. Paul is simply sitting here saying that, you know, you need to pray for these doors to be opened so you can proclaim this mystery that, that really is a mystery to people in creation, like that that Jesus Christ died for your sins, right? And that if you believe in him, you'll be born again supernaturally. You'll have eternal life, you know. These are things that we should be seeking to do as Christians. And we sometimes, like I said, we, we fall back and we sit there and think, Well, no, I'll, I'll leave that to the pastor. I'll leave that to the people that are going into the jails or, or the frontline folks. No, these are things that you guys are called to seek, to pray for, and to look for as well in your personal lives. And he asks right here, he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So this is something too where, once again, he's emphasizing, he's recognizing that there's going to be that fear in us that we just won't know what to say, right? And if we don't know what to say, what is our next resort? We just don't say anything at all. We keep our mouth shut. He's asking, pray that I may, may proclaim it clearly. You guys could even pray for each other as we're called to do as a body. That when those moments and those opportunities come up, that, that I want Amy to, to, to be able to proclaim it clearly. That I want Dawn. That I want Brenda, right? I, I, that these things just come out clearly so I can at least give them this message in a manner that they can understand and receive it. And then I just simply let God the growing in the message and in the, in the seed sowing. Okay? I mean, I, I love how he challenges us in this stuff. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Now, who do you think he's referring to when he's talking about outsiders? Non-believer? Non-believer? Okay. This is a huge thing. okay. this is a thing that I think when we look at certain things, words like stumbling blocks and all that, that we're called to to pray for discernment and wisdom and how we should be acting amongst those people that don't believe in what we believe in. okay. and I'm not saying that you're walking around appearing to be perfect. Right. I'm not saying that at all. But I am sitting there saying that you are actually called to go to the Lord for wisdom in what you are supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it, especially around those people that don't believe what you believe in. Because if you're posing yourself in a certain way or living in a manner as a certain way as well, that could cause confusion, right, to the body, to Jesus Christ, to the faith that you live in or the faith that you have and the faith that you believe in. These are the things that Paul is wanting to warn people of, okay? That you're called to live in a manner, in a way that gives God glory in everything that you do. Does it mean you're going to be perfect at it? No. I had a dream a couple nights ago. It was the weirdest dream, and I was going through these passages, and I'm reading. The dream wasn't me reading. I was reading this before I went to bed, and I remembered the dream when I woke up, because I'm like, i got to remember to speak about this at church on Sunday, I was in some like back room and I got angry, like mad. And I took a chair that was like a fold-up chair and I started beating the crap out of the furnace in this room. Like, and I don't even know what I was mad at, but I was just beating the crap out of it. It's going to sound weird. This little miniature person comes walking out from behind the furnace. I haven't even told my wife this dream yet. But they looked at me, and they looked completely confused because I was professing or proclaiming to be something, but what I was doing and acting caused a sense of confusion amongst them. But then I started to kind of get the symbolism here because they were a person that the word refers to as weaker in the faith as well. So we just speak even about outsiders, but we also speak about people that are weaker or not as knowledgeable babies in the faith and the person just looked at me and just stared at me and I felt this sense of conviction for my actions on what I was doing and it wasn't once again this feeling like oh I got to be holier than thou and perfect and all that stuff but I got to check and go to the Lord for wisdom and how I am to behave and act in these situations okay so obviously in my dream I was mad at something I even remember waking up, feeling convicted and I was mad at myself, but I even went to the Lord, like in prayer about like, what does that dream mean? Like, I mean, I kind of could grasp it and I, you know, I was going through Colossians four here and I'm like, okay, I kind of get what, what's being thrown at me here. I can be and act in a way to people, not even not just outsiders, but people that are weaker in the faith that can cause a sense of confusion. Well, Pastor Josh beats a furnace when he's angry. That means it's okay for me to throw my cat if I get mad. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that people can sit there and, would you agree? Think about your, here's a perfect analogy. Think about your kids. You have children, right? A lot of what they do is based off of what they witness from you as parents. I mean, I, I see it all the time. We see it with our own kids. You're kind of the blueprint on how they should act and be when it comes to just life in general, right? You're, you're the, the first concrete, you know, systematic norm in their life. So, you know, they, 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 they're born, they're in your house, and the world is simply what is in the home to them, right? They like everything you like. They, they think you're the most awesome person, and we know that changes not too long down the road, but they see these things. And, and if your home is that of in a sense of like chaos, they get used to chaos. To, to them, chaos is norm. The way you talk, you, a lot of you may have come across kids today that have a certain language type where you're just like, oh, my gosh, you're eight years old and you talk like a sailor. Well, when you meet the parents sometimes, right, you can kind of connect the dots a little bit on why that is. And I'm not saying that to be the case all the time. I had friends growing up that cussed like sailors, and their parents didn't cuss, but they at least had some wisdom on when to cuss and where to cuss. You know what I mean? I've gone through Hadesa's school, and she's in the third grade, and I've heard kids walking through the hallways. Bleep, bleep, bleep. I mean, they're, and they're her age. I'm just sitting there like, wow. But then as your kids grow up, right, and they get exposed to the outside world, and they actually see and know, like, wow, my world is bigger than this address here. Start to talk to different people, get different perspectives on life and all that. Our job and our calling as Christians to one another and even to outsiders out there is no different. If you claim the name of Jesus Christ, if you profess to be a Christian, there are ways... A wisdom that you're called to seek and how you should be and how you should act. And it might not be something for you that you're sitting there going, I mean, my wife and I, we we've talked about this a lot with people. Do I have a problem with this one thing that I need? It's not about you. It's about the person who's weaker in the faith. It's about the outsider that's witnessing and looking at you because it's not you're not walking around claiming you, you're walking around claiming Jesus Christ. And it's the very way that you're acting and the things that you're doing possibly causing a confusion to those outsiders around you. And I think that even in general that this has brought about a lot of confusion in general to the church. We, we spoke about it last week when we talked about the roles of the household. And I'll just tiptoe back to that again if you weren't here and, and listen to it. A lot of what you see in church today and a lot of people that have walked away from church is because of what? Maybe what they witnessed or saw growing up. Right. And I'm not saying that my, my wife and I were laying in bed. I looked at her and I said, this is a, a pretty hard thing to grasp as a parent, because we talked about in the Christian in the household, you know, roles, of Christian household and things like that, that that the husband and the wife are a representation and unity under Jesus Christ, and that the kids pose as a hope that they then too will come up under that with those same beliefs, right? And I want to stress the word hope because I looked at my wife and I said, here's the the honest to God answer. We have six kids. Are we promised that all six kids will become followers of Jesus Christ? We're not. And even when I was saying that to her, I felt a chill kind of go up my back. I'm like, oh, like, but that's the honest to God truth. But you bet your butt if there's anything I can do about it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live a life and have a household as such that represents that of a Christian household. Because I am the representation to my kids about who Jesus Christ is. But in talking to her, she's like, Jelaine said, you know, a lot of people used to live for Sunday instead of living for God. I thought about that. I'm like, that's true. Like a lot of people wanted to put on their Sunday's best and do their Sunday's best and all that. And then everything else throughout the week kind of just was thrown to the side. When you live in a household where people witness that and see that, what do you think their impression of God is going to be? It's not going to be the greatest of one. And this is the stuff that, once again, when I speak to people that are sitting in church and they struggle with what they believe, I sit there and I go, are you angry at the representation of what you've seen at God or are you truly angry at God? And I also know that some people's hearts aren't in a place, a good place, to receive what they're seeing. You can be the most, we know this too, you can be the most loving parents, Jesus exemplifying parents, and your kids can still be brats, right? Right? You give them Jesus all day and 14, 15 year old girls, boys. Right. But are you going to be that constant? Are you going to be that that permanent, that representation of Christ to them? Now, I want you guys to think about that even when you step outside of your door every day and you go to work or you're amongst people just in social gatherings as well. Like, am I doing this or am I, do I want to do this to fulfill me or do I want to abstain from this or to do this to glorify God? Because these people know what I believe. I mean, I, I, I've invited them to church five times and they haven't come yet, but you know, i I'm going out with them to dinner and I'm doing this stuff. Don't buy into the lie that you got to conform to them to get them to like Christ. People come into church all the time. They'll get enough of the world out there. You guys got to give them Jesus. You take the church with you. You're the temple. You're the ones that are walking with the Holy Spirit in you. These are your bodies that are offered as a living sacrifice to him. What are you doing with them? Are you doing everything that you do with these broken down as we spoke about bodies that are withering away, wrinkling things, dropping and all that? Are you living in a manner and such that these are a representation of Jesus Christ? To them. And once again, are you going to be perfect at it? No, you're not. We call for people to cling to him daily, be devoted in prayer daily, seeking wisdom, being thankful, recognizing and realizing the grace that he's had on your life. So you then want to go out and display that to people around you as well. Right? Because I believe that the truth of God, the truth of the gospel is much more power than the lies of the world. I just do. And people need to see that outside of Sunday, outside of the gathering. This is for the saved. This is why we're here, to encourage one another to go out and to represent Jesus Christ, because we share in his presence as well when we come in on Sunday. So be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I love that Paul Does not pull punches when he talks about this. This doesn't mean just opportunities you see at work, opportunities you see at dinner with worldly friends. No, he says every opportunity. And you get wisdom to recognize those opportunities, making the most of them. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. So at dawn, what you expressed and talked about, about how you were talking to your husband, okay? you gave conversation in words that were seasoned with grace, because you've said this, it saved me. He saved me in representing and recognizing that. Then what comes out of your mouth to those around you, even those that you may struggle with in the flesh, you find that your words are seasoned with salt, that you have a recognition of God's grace on you that indirectly, when you go to those people that you may struggle with, right? And I'm not saying, once again, you might have to go to prayer before you do this. You know, you can gauge. Most of you guys do. You know when you're about to encounter or go into a conversation with a person, you can't stand. Am I right? If it be work, if it be we have the holidays coming up. Some of you may dread Thanksgiving or Christmas and all that because, you know, you're going to be around those people that are closest to your heart. So they're the ones usually they can eke you the most. And I say amen to that. What better what better battleground to be on than the ones of your own family? Test it on them. You know what I mean? Bring it to them. Because we tend to let our guard down the most as well with family. Right. So. These are the things, once again, to, to go back to Dawn and her recognition of God saving her life. OK, she took an opportunity that was there, was speaking to her husband. She went to him and just said, you can come to church. Uh, you know, and, and she's like, I don't know if I re-. She actually does care. If she didn't care. She wouldn't ask him. But she did it with words that are seasoned in salt, and then his response back to her. And she said, kind of threw her off a little bit, was that he was gentle back. And I'm not saying, once again, that this will always be the case, but you guys can guarantee or attest that when you bite at people, right, and we're snarky with them, when we yell at them first, what tends to be the response or the reaction we get back? The exact same thing but you're no longer that person anymore, right? You're, you're no longer the person that will yell and that will scream and, and bite at someone. Paul's sitting here challenging you as the Christian, the brand new creation that you are called to give these words to people, have them seasoned with salt, with a recognition of grace as well. And I sit there and I think with Don, I mean, what harder audience given the situation, right? What harder audience. But like I said to her last week, that is a sense of encouragement for me. Because knowing that she is seeking the Holy Spirit daily. And I know you're keeping track of the weeks and all that stuff. There could be a day that she falls flat on her face. You know what I mean? There could be. But I believe and know that she has a heart for God that she'll be able to understand and recognize, okay, that wasn't right. And she'll go to him rather than looking at herself going, well, if I'm not good enough now, I need to retreat and give this Christian stuff up. That's not what it's about to be a Christian. It's just that your focus is always on Jesus Christ. Daily, like this is the stuff that Paul's referring to daily. Jesus teaches us how to pray Like, prayer is so vital. And if you're not devoted in prayer life, if you're not devoted to that, if you really aren't utilizing prayer life as a wartime walkie-talkie, and you're just simply doing it for, for the longest time as I did, kind of like this intercom to God, where you're kind of making your petitions known, the things that you would like to have changed in your life that really make you uncomfortable, you're going to find yourself continuously just getting withered down. You're going to find yourself getting exhausted. You just will. And I know all of you guys have situations and things in your life right now that prayer, in all honesty, correct me if I'm wrong, is the only thing really you have to resort to right now. Is it not? I mean, when you are hit with a disease, when you're going through a divorce, if you have kids that just don't seem like they want to listen, Or if you yourself have placed kind of this burden on yourself that you can't seem to shake. There is a power in prayer that a lot of Christians just leave untapped. Maybe life is good, right? Maybe the things are going okay in your life. Maybe you're on some kind of streak. Two weeks not mouthing off to someone. Amen. Whatever. Live in the overflow of that. Because we can easily kind of retreat and get complacent when things are going good, right? Things are going good, two weeks, not mouthing off. I haven't gone this long and doing this, whatever. And we just sit back and we're like, oh, we're kind of on the spiritual cruise control. Jesus, go ahead and get out. I got the rest of this. I'm good. Only to go another mile and then you veer off and run into something. You know what I mean? Like, he wants us to be consistent in everything that we do in giving him glory, even in those times where we're on those hills, but especially when we're in those valleys. And it's a daily process. It truly is. It's daily. Okay? So I want you guys to, to take away with this. He says, season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. People are different that you will encounter. Their backgrounds are different, okay? But here's the beauty of Jesus Christ. He's the same. The message that you bring is the same. And he'll give you discernment and knowledge and wisdom on the particular situations and and the doors that open up and the opportunities, making sure that, that you, in understanding and recognizing the grace that God has put on your life, that That you are are mindful and wise in how you approach and interact with people as well. But always remember and understand, though, that the message is still the same. We don't need to change or skew or alter or water down God's word for people in their situation or in the conversation that you're having with them. Because we all know and can see that everyone needs this truth in their life. Everyone does. But here's the deal. You guys are representations and proof of that as Christians. And if you truly understand and recognize that truth, why in the world would you not want to go out and speak in a manner, and a way, to people as well? Because sometimes we struggle with making sure our words are seasoned with salt when we go talk to outsiders. We like to tell people how nasty they are and how different they are, Right? We want to point out that those are the very things that are going to keep you from God's presence. Never really interact with them. Never sit down, have coffee with them, listen to them. We don't do any of that. We just basically, we're always on the offensive. We're like, well, see here, the Bible says this, and you've got to be mindful of that's not speaking to people with words seasoned in salt. If you guys have had a great meal before, right? You want to go out and tell someone how great, I mean, I love sushi. Maybe some of you guys don't. I love sushi. If I know that there's people out there that have never had sushi before, guess what? I want to sit down with them and tell them how awesome sushi is and how good it is. And there's all these different flavors of sushi and you can put all this different, I mean, you find yourself like, and I am, I'm like a huge sushi advocate, like sitting down, talking to people about sushi. I know it's kind of a, a topical analogy here, but think about your faith in Jesus Christ. Think about your, your relationship with him through prayer. Think about the experiences and the things that he's doing in your life. If you truly understand the value in that and the tastiness of it, why in the world would you not want to go out there and tell people about it as well? Because I love sushi so much that someone could look at me and say, that doesn't sound good at all. Guess what? It's not going to stop me from going to the next person to talk to him about sushi. You guys... If you're talking about the one who saved you, the one who's released you from bondage, the one who's broken strongholds, the one that's given you new creation, a new identity, the one who set you free from sin, the one who's going to raise you up in glory when it's all said and done and you get to walk in eternity with him with brand new body, the one who rules in your heart and that's the prince of peace. If you truly grasp that tastiness of that truth, why in the world would you not want to go out there and tell people the same thing? And it doesn't need to be program set. It doesn't need to be Sunday service set. It doesn't need to be Bible study. It doesn't need to be that. Pray to the Lord to have those opportunities and those doors open. Pray to him for wisdom on when to recognize it. Pray to him for the ability to give the simplicity of the message that's a mystery to so many people out there that are struggling in a place of bondage right now. Right? I mean, the harvest is really plentiful. I mean, you look at people around us today, we see it. We do a very good job outwardly at trying to express that we're good. The world does a phenomenal job. It teaches us how to do that. The beautiful thing about being a Christian is we're pretty open about how dead we were on the inside and how we let Jesus Christ bring us and give us new life. And that's a freedom and a peace that there's nothing in this world can do or represent or mock. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just give you thanks for um, this time, just this, this, this message and this opportunity just to challenge this body to go out and to just first and foremost be devoted in their prayer life, Lord, and, and have them check their hearts and and seeing if there's a lack there, Lord, to see if there's more things or more time that they can, they can put forth and just being devoted and talking to you and even listening to you, Lord Jesus, and knowing that you're not simply just this intercom system that's a one way that we just simply talk to you, but just to be mindful and disciplined just to sit still and to listen to you as well. Because you're the one that sustains us. You're the one that gives us energy. Um, you're the one that keeps our bearings about us, Lord, as we go through this life day after day, living in this fallen and sinful world, but bringing your light and your message of hope and truth um, to everyone around us. So I just pray um, that individuals take this and they go home even today. The first thing they do when they walk in their door is they just go to prayer and just seek you out, Lord. Seek you out and give you, give you thanks, Lord, and, and continue just to be devoted in this. And take advantage of those opportunities as well that you give them and, and show them in speaking your message to the people around us. Because everyone needs to hear this truth, Lord. Everyone needs to. And we are just simply messengers and a means of your grace to the world around us. And if we truly recognize and see that grace, we need to and want to and should be going out and letting people know of your beauty and your message and your love. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much.